You're listening to the Kingdom Culture Church podcast. To connect with us, hop on social media or go to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. Sit down whenever you want. <laughs> no, one, no one stood? No one stayed standing? No, okay, cool. That would have been, for future reference, that would have been the ultimate flex. It is a good title, isn't it? God is here. Hey, how's that? It's, it's not the most um, witty title, but uh, it carries the point very clearly, doesn't it? So next week, we've got... Conference. Did everyone forget already? I think like we mentioned it like three seconds ago. What have we got next week? Conference. All right. And that's what Hot Weeks is about. Hot Weeks isn't about slowly ramping up into conference, but it's about preparing our hearts for what God wants to do through that period. So that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, I want to talk about conference because there's kind of some things that happen around conference. There's a couple of different groups of people that you'll see next week just a conference. You'll see the people who are just laid out every session, just on the floor, every single session. And, and laid out is one of those fun Pentecostalisms that like, oh mate, I just, I just love them. But uh, laid out, slain, went to church last night, it killed me. It's awesome. <laughs> what we're talking about is the people who, it's going to be quite obvious that God is doing something in the heart, in their life, and it's going to be very visible. It's going to be the people who, for them, that looks like they're sitting down, they've got a pen and paper, and they're scribbling through. There will be people, usually myself, I fluctuate between the two, um, when I'm not just running around with a clipboard on a, on a conference. Um, and then there'll be the other group of people, the people who will be standing there feeling a bit like, uh, yeah, so... Something going to be happening, or what? What's what's the deal here? How do we how do we how do we get this going? There'll there'll be that feeling that there's no inertia going on, and that's that's kind of what I want to talk to talk into this week. It's it's actually um, possibly surprising for some of you because I preach with a hands-free microphone um, and I use Greek terms sometimes, but I am a full-blown Pentecostal. Um, I'm not one of those people who was, and I, I really love the testimony of the people who, like, they studied the word and they came to this logical understanding that this must be truth. I came into a church and I just got hit by the power of God. Halfway through the message, just absolutely weeping. Um, by the time, I had given my heart to God by the time they'd asked me to put my hand up. I know that, but because before anyone prayed for me for salvation, I was speaking in tongues. It was ridiculous, Right? So, so that's my experience. That's my entrance way into relationship with God is no faith whatsoever and then just like supernatural encounter with God. I've been in prayer meetings where the police came because it was a youth camp and the fellow campers nearby blessed their heart. You were there. Fellow, <laughs> fellow campers nearby were uh, a little bit concerned at some of the noises that were occurring, so they called the police. Uh, and so uh, Nathan Spence was doing uh, flippy flaps. What is it called when you're... It's not a cartwheel because you're going sideways, but um, you can talk to him about that. Myself and one of the leaders, like, leaning up against the door 
uh, talking to the policeman, like trying to like keep some sense of composure. It's like, what's going on? Oh, it's just a it's just a prayer meeting, man. You want to come in? Behind us, like someone spinning and screaming and helicopter legs going on. Um, no, we'll just leave you guys to. You guys have a good night. They say as they slowly back away. So, all that to say, the presence of God is not a um, foreign thing to me. But a thing that can happen, and it's something that happens in all our lives, it's something that's a pattern that you see throughout Scripture, it's a pattern that you see throughout history, is these cycles of renewal, these cycles of, we love to use the term revival, but you can see it in a broader context even in the people of Israel, in the patriarchs, the apostles. People kind of have this pattern as individuals, as groups, as nations, this pattern where everything starts to turn away from God, everyone starts to, maybe not even is against God, but just becomes a little bit cold in their heart, and then God has to do something to spark that up, to capture people's attention. And so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about this manifestation encounter thing. It's, it's God trying to break our rhythms, because we can get stuck in these holding patterns, can't we? We can get stuck in these holding patterns of thoughts, of emotions, of habits. The real killer, particularly for the people of Israel, and definitely can be for us, familiarity, right? We become familiar. And so God has to do something to shake us out of that, break that pattern, and set us on a new course. That's why we do conferences, right? It's, it's a lot of work. If there wasn't anything good out of it, we just wouldn't do it. Am I right, Pastor Fred? Oh, it breaks up that rhythm. It breaks up that pattern. However, if all it does is break up the pattern, is the high point of the year, and then you drop straight back off, and you have to wait till the next conference. I mean, men don't even have women's conference. We've got to wait a whole year to get saved again. <laughs> it is ridiculous. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> so we don't want to have that pattern. We don't have to be that rhythm. So the, the question is, and this is what I want to unpack, what is God doing in that moment? And what do we want to do? One, two, have that moment, not miss it as it comes past, but also have that moment be something that continues on in our life. So this word manifestation, right? That's a fun word that we say. But if we, if we just break it down to what it means, to manifest something is to make something shown, to show the quality of it, right? So I might manifest my anger by yelling. I might manifest my sadness but crying. Every time there is a Marvel movie out... Pastor Fred's wishes I would manifest my excitement at all. <laughs> it's a fun conversation. Pastor Fred is I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, man, pumped. Could you get a little excited? Yeah, I am. Well, could you show it? I did when I said the words, I'm excited. <laughs> So maybe I could manifest my excitement a little bit more, or in a different way. But the key there is that manifestation is something secondary. It accompanies something else, right? I could actually jump in, say there's a new movie out, and do a cartwheel. doesn't mean I'm actually excited. I could just be fake here. What, what's important is actually the real excitement, the real angry, or the real encounter that God is giving that is accompanied by manifestation. That's why what it looks like, whether anyone else notices it, whether even we notice it. Sometimes God will encounter us and we don't even really realize what happened in that moment until we reflect on it afterwards. See, because I don't feel... I could, at this point, make a case 
for the manifestation of the power of God. But I feel like that would be reading the room wrong. I don't feel like this is a room where I have to make an argument that God is still active and present and involved in people's lives. Am I right? I don't have to break down Scripture and, and reveal that the God, though, consistently reveals Himself to His people in Scripture, continues to do so and hasn't changed His modus operandi. Correct? Right. So, we're just going to unpack the whole thing. So, why is this important? Because your life is a war zone. We talked about these emotional, mental, habitual patterns that we get locked in. And God wants to interrupt those thoughts. This is what he did with Saul, who later became known as Paul, um, who wrote a big chunk of the New Testament. He had some bad thought patterns. He had some bad habits. One of his habits, get this, it wasn't smoking, it was stoning Christians to death. Oof, that's a bad thought pattern. That's a bad devotion. You thought your devotional life was bad. It is disgusting. So this is what happens. So Saul, he's literally on the way from holding everyone. Everyone, hand me your cloak, and you can go stone Stephen to death. And then he's on his, road, on his way to Damascus. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. A couple of interesting reflections I have on this passage. Jesus explains nothing to Saul, does he? He just turns up. Hey, I'm Jesus. That's the argument. There isn't a there isn't this exposition of the Old Testament. Hey, let's, let's go through Isaiah and let's, I'm going to, he just appears. Hey, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul has that response, that encounter with him. The voice reveals Jesus, not information. So then Saul's struck blind, which is fun. Um, and he has to get led into the city. And this Christian, Ananias, is instructed by God to go find Saul and restore his sight. Now, Ananias, probably like you or I, then seek, continues to explain to God who Saul is. Oh, Saul, you don't... God, actually, God, like, do you realize, like, this guy's actually... You know that bad guy? That's him. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, you're going to change your mind now, right? Anyway, so, uh, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Won't unpack that one, but that could be a whole sermon. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see him again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. So Paul's entire worldview has just been changed. He goes from persecuting Christianity to championing it. What happens? One, God's power, where no one prayed. He's just on his way from where he was to where he was going, and God interrupted him with a supernatural, powerful moment. The second one, 
someone's obedient prayer. Someone did pray. So we've got a precedent for both these things now, don't we? Someone praying obediently and also God just sovereignly having a moment. So I don't want to get caught up in semantics here because semantics kind of really bother me. You know those... I don't want to slag on anyone. Uh, I'll do it nicely. I would suggest... There are, there's a thought process, and I understand the thought process. You see what I'm doing? This really catches it very nicely. But I can, un- I can understand the thought process because you see something modelled and you want to not model that. So there's this thing of like, oh, we don't, have, we don't have pastors at this church. We just have people who teach the flock. We're not a church. We're just a gathering of people who follow Jesus. And it's, the wording is like, it's, okay, well, that's called a church. Like, you haven't become something different. You've just become uncomfortable with the language. So I'm... About to talk about the word encounter in a certain way, and I, I don't want to get caught up. If you continue to use encounter from this point forward, I don't really mind, but I want to talk about revelation and maybe thinking about these moments with God as revelation instead of just an encounter. Because actually, what we see in Scripture is our God is a God who reveals Himself to His people. And that's what we want next week. We don't want, that's what we want today, that's what we want now. We don't just want to have an encounter. We actually want to see God. We want to have God reveal himself to us. And good news, because God wants to reveal himself to you. So encounter can be thought of as this vague, momentary, or temporary experience. But I want to talk to you about this idea, this thought experiment of revelation as a historical event right? Because we can think of it as this real mystical, up-in-the-sky kind of thing, as opposed to this fact, this moment that I opened this morning talking about when I was lost and broken and had come to a church, and God, there was an event, there was an occurrence, there was something in history of my life that occurred where God met with me and broke something open in my life. What happened, what it looked like, what I saw, what all that stuff that can get turned into this mystical thing sometimes. That a trap, because we don't have a lot of great teaching on it, honestly, so I, I don't actually blame prophets for this, I blame teachers for it, because there's not such a, a, a good language around the prophetic, quite often it can enter, like, we can use New Age language to kind of try and explain it. And so you'll have people who are really focused on what they saw and are less interested about what God is revealing to a person that they're praying for. They'll spend about like 20 minutes on all the different magical things that they saw, which there's precedent for. If you want to read Ezekiel, most prophets you've met are way less weird than that, but get really hooked on that and then like give like one little second of, so I think God wants you to you know, start a new business and move on kind of thing. It's so actually, actually God was wanting to meet with that person. And so that's actually what we're wanting to impart. And so I want to I create this framework of next week, during conference, when you're at work, when you're at school, today, this morning, now, God wants to have a moment with you. God wants to talk with you. God wants to meet with you. And that can look like a variety of different things, but God wants to not just gently touch you on the shoulder, God actually wants to, needs to, depending on where you're at, 
God might need to arrest your heart this morning. He might need to do something sudden and shocking and surprising and, and unexpected. Encounter should be seen as God revealing himself, God revealing his attributes, but also that he is present. So my first point, if I could get the keys up, that'd be great. I'm doing the keys early because I feel like it. First point. <laughs> Do all stand. Okay? You know, this, we, we have this phrase, you know, when you have done all, stand. And that can really create this picture on our hand, head of us just, oh, stand. Okay. Once you've done all, just stand. And then just God's going to do something. Great. But let's, let's do this, this fun thing I like to do. It's called read the verse in context. So, <laughs> finally, be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. Put on the full army of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Not just stand, take your stand. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Some translations say, make your stand. This is what's actually being unpacked here. It isn't just like, hey, have this passive moment, but it's actually like, hey, I need you to recognize those thought patterns that you have, those habits that you have, that emotional roller coaster that you go on week to week, the, the temptations that you can't shake, the addictions, the anger, the, the emotional turmoil. There's a spiritual thing going on there. There is a war zone that is happening in your life. And what the devil does in the West is make us forget that it entirely happens, right? Makes us just blame ourselves, think of ourselves. It's our circumstances, our situation. There's not much that can be done about it. But, but Scripture is saying here, hey, make a stand. Put on the armor of God. Stand strong with God with you. So I want to suggest to you very gently, if for the six sessions of conference you stand at the front with your hands out like this and nothing happens, that might be on you, okay? Now, maybe, first session, God smack, like just obliterates you. I'm not trying to say that there's a particular format you should use, but maybe if just standing there passively doesn't work, there's something you should engage with, right? I don't want to turn dancing, shouting, sitting, kneeling, weeping into some kind of manipulative trick to, to twist God's arm, but sometimes we need to actually do more. If we want to actually have that moment, have that encounter, we actually need to unlock something in our own heart, and we need to actually engage with something. Point two, we can make a demand. Who loved Pastor uh, Anna's message last week? Talking about the woman with the issue of blood. Here's my reflection on that. Jesus is walking down the road. A woman touches his hem and he feels the power go out from him. And he has to say, wait, what happened? Who was that? What happened? He didn't intend for that to occur. And then what did he say to her? Your faith has made you well. 
We can make a demand on God. We're not some small servant weakling who has to cower and beg for permission to the guards to be allowed to see the king. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're actually allowed to enter the throne room boldly and make a demand. Now, there's humility in that, obviously. Try doing that one without humility, and God won't be that phased, but it'll be a different experience for you. We'll put it that way. I've always, I've always found, found that whenever I'm really honest with God, God's really honest with me, and that's uh, a fun experience. But we can actually make that demand. We can actually enter into God's presence and say, God, I need you. God, this pattern doesn't work. This rhythm that I'm living in doesn't work. I I need to be more like you, Jesus, and I need something to break in my life. I need something to shift. And finally, God is present. Here's a great quote from James James Evans. So we know the story of the burning bush, right? Vaguely, like, there's been enough cartoons on it, but God speaks to Moses. He tells him, you're going to go and talk to Pharaoh and get the Israelites saved from Egypt through my power. In the call of Moses, God reveals no new knowledge, engenders no new mysticism, but situates God's appearance in the context of and as a response to the enslavement of Israel. That's what God's wanting to do in that encounter moment. He's, he's, it's, not, it's not about like, hey, let me make you more intelligent. Let's, let's, let's figure out like how the world economy works so I can make you... He's, he wants to say, I am present. I am here, I'm involved. There's heaps of precedent for God unpacking things and giving strategy and teaching and all that kind of stuff, but that's not what we're talking about this morning. This morning we're talking about a God who wants to situate himself in your, in your environment, who actually wants to let you know, I'm, I am here and I'm here for you. If I could have the band up. So here's the practical unpacking. We've all got different responsibilities. Right now, this morning, my responsibility is to have studied, to have structured this well, to have prayed, to have heard from God for a word. That's my responsibility. The the worship bands have a responsibility to practice, to know their instruments, to have a personal relationship with God, to have a personal worship history with God so that they can impart that through worship. God has a responsibility, right? Right? It's not us twisting his arm. He's, he's said that he'll never leave you or forsake you, so he'll never leave you or forsake you. That's what's wild about God. He makes promises. He makes statements to hold himself to his own world. He actually constrains himself by making promises to his people. And so he has a responsibility to do what he has said that he would do in Scripture, to respond to you, to meet with you, to be with you, to never leave you or forsake you. But you've got a responsibility as well. And so that's what we want to do. We actually want to walk with an expectancy for God to move, with a desire for God to move, and with a willingness for Him to break our patterns. If we want to come in here and just feel some tingles and then go back and think and feel and process in the same way, we're actually creating a blockage. We actually have a response to actually come to God openly. There's this idea in Trinity, right? That we've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that they are constantly outpouring themselves to each other. 
that the, the son in obedience outpours to the father, the father outpours to the son. They both outpour to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that all three are constantly emptying of themselves completely to each other and being completely filled by each other. And so when we come into a relationship with God, we actually come into a relationship with that context. We come into a relationship into a context where if we outpour everything towards God, God will outpour everything towards us. This isn't an offering message. This is talking about worship. This is talking about prayer. This is talking about reading our Bible. This is talking about our devotional life. This is talking about obedience to God, caring for the poor, putting others' needs before ourselves. It's an outpouring of ourselves towards God, an emptying of ourselves, just defeating that cult of self and completely pouring out towards God. And He outpours to us because He wants to be with us. He wants to meet with us because that's in His nature. 